are listening to Flop Culture. This is a podcast all about your favorite flops. And around here, flop's not a dirty word. A flop can be anything. I'm a flop and I'm also your host, Fanula J. I hope you're welcome. I hope you're very well. It's actually what I meant to say, but I do hope you're welcome as well. Because they both mean the same thing, really. Anyway, I'm really glad to have you here. If you're not already following Flop Culture on social media, I'd love you to. We tease upcoming guests over there. It's at Flop Culture underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. As well, I love ratings. Doesn't everyone love rating, girls? All I want for Christmas this year is some five-star ratings, if you had them, wherever you're listening. If you are listening on Apple and you leave your nickname in the rating, I will recommend something to you personalised to you, especially at the end of next week's episode. So get them in. I'd love to see them. Do you have a favourite episode? You can let me know that in the rating as well. Anything you'd like to see more of? Let me know that in the rating. I'm I'm all for that. We are over on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash flap culture. You'll get a minimum of two bonus episodes a month. And this month already we have a journey through the Kardashian Christmas card phenomenon. Something that they don't really do anymore, but was a big thing for them as a family when the reality TV show kicked off. And then when they started, you know, utilizing social media a little bit more, it was a real thing with a capital T. So I brought in the big guns. I brought in past guest Carla Kay, and she is going through them with me. We're talking about them, where the family were at that point in time, reviewing the fashion. It's all good fun. And because obviously we're talking about visual cards, things that you can see, there's also a video podcast, so whether you want to listen to the audio or the video, they are both on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash flop culture. This week, I'm sitting down with Kane Sullivan to record an episode of Bop or Flop on contemporary Christmas pop music. So that will be coming soon as well. Very excited for that. A reminder, because I forget to say this sometimes, some of the episodes are available to watch on YouTube as well, including this one. It's Vanula J, J-A-Y, on YouTube for the visuals, should you want them. You can also listen to the audio only there, but I know some people like the visuals. We've got the visuals. Unlike Beyonce, I've got the visuals. I know the movie came out, but they're not the visuals. She's not She's not having me on. She's not pulling the wool over my eyes. Anyway, news. Let's talk about it. We almost had a Barbie with Anne Hathaway instead of Margot Robbie in the titular role. She was on a podcast this week called Happy Sack Confused. And called it lucky that her iteration of the Barbie movie never got off the ground, considering the phenomenon that Margot's and Greta Gerwig's Barbie became this year. So in 2017, Anne Hathaway was initially announced as the star of Sony's Barbie movie. I think people are more familiar with the fact that Amy Schumer was once in the fold. So I think she was cast then... No, I've said this wrong. Apologies. I think people are more familiar with Amy Schumer's name being in the fold, but it was actually Anne who was originally cast. Anne Hathaway left and then Amy Schumer came in. And this was supposed to come out earlier. It was supposed to be June 2018, uh, directed by Aletha Jones, an Australian filmmaker who is responsible for a movie called Fun Mom Dinner. Not something I'm familiar with, but a lot of sources were comparing it to Splash, Enchanted, Big, you know, Fish Out of Water, you know, the whatever, Barbie's Real, what happens? To be honest, it kind of sounds much more similar to Life Size, the Tyra Banks movie, than anything else. But anyway, Anne left. Amy got her hands on the script and polished it up to become kind of 
the, the skeleton of what the movie ended up becoming. It's Barbie getting kicked out of Barbie World for not being perfect enough and landing in the real world. Um, that project then went to ground and Margot was like, right, I'm taking over the rights and I'm going to Warner Brothers with it. Um, and Anne said that was the right call. She said, what's so exciting about what Greta and Margot and the phenomenal team did is they hit a bullseye. The bullseye caused the entire world to reach this level of ecstasy. Now imagine that version, that much energy, that much anticipation, that much emotion, but it's not the right version. I actually think of it as a lucky thing it didn't get made. She calls Margot sublime, a real creative person, a producer, very exciting, inspiring. Um, so yeah, I think she would have been a good Barbie, all the same. Amy Schumer, the thing with Amy Schumer is right, I think a lot of the initial conversation around when it was like, Amy was going to be Barbie. People get very mean about how Amy doesn't look like the typical Barbie in inverted commas, which again was the whole conceit of the movie. Basically, I think people can get a little bit into nasty territory when talking about Amy, right? But then reading this, I was like, okay, right. She had initially said it was scheduling conflicts as to why she was the reason that she left the Barbie movie. Um, but it was actually creative differences. She said uh, Robbie's movie looked very feminist and cool, which her version was not. Which I try to even try and visualize what Amy means now, or like what version of that movie it would have been. It, I just can't. Even, it would have been dog shit, and I'm actually just going to say that right now. It would have been chronic. And also, she did kind of make a version of it anyway. With that, I think she was trying to get at it with the movie. I feel pretty. If anyone's familiar with that, if you're not, you don't need to be. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, she said she should have known the Barbie project wasn't for her when the studio gifted her a pair of Manolo Blahnik shoes to celebrate her casting. There you go. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Bosses there at ITV are set to ban politicians, allegedly, after Nigel Farage claimed he was set up by ITV. He ended up finishing in third place. I think he got something like 25% of that final vote, which is categorically insane but anyway uh, he's since accused ITV of stitching him up uh, accused the broadcaster of alleged unpleasantries with some of the higher ups so now the show bosses are considering a ban on politicians from future series a source told The Sun I'm a celeb has always cast divisive characters but now we think it'll be a case of thinking twice Nigel's MO is all about making it seem like the establishment is against him, but no one expected it to become the hand that fed him. Now, there's a spokesperson for ITV has come out and said, you know, we're always looking for diverse people or whatever, and they've always featured political figures, and that there are no plans for it to change when the series returns next year, blah, blah, blah. But, like, this has to be at what, like... And this was the issue with allowing Matt Hancock in, because it just opened this door of, like... Because I know people feel very much more strongly about Matt Hancock than I do. My bottom line is that I think he is an idiot, right? Like, fundamentally. But that's how it starts. You let someone in who kind of just appears to be this, like, blundering idiot type, and then he gets to come in and be like, oh, he's so he's so silly. What a silly little boy. Oh, ha, ha, ha. And he can't. And he's... Do you know, he doesn't know things and he doesn't know songs and isn't that hilarious? And then it opens it, like, he's, like, I was about to say dehumanized, rehumanized. He's rehumanized in the eyes of the public. And then you open the door to allow someone much more sinister, much more, like, divisive, obviously, but that's not even the word I'm thinking of. Sinister is probably the best word. Someone sin- as sinister as Nigel Farage in 
to again be allowed to... Fi- it's just... It sets a really dangerous precedent, in my opinion. Do I actually think anything's going to change? Probably not. And I don't know why anyone is surprised about Nigel Farage now coming out. He's on GB News talking that he faced stitch-ups from production bosses. It seems like whilst I was in the jungle, one or two people at the top of ITV were doing their best to make things unpleasant for me. Um, he's particularly talking about uh, Kevin Ligo, who's the director of television at ITV. And he says, what I will say to Kevin Ligo, the boss of ITV, it's up to you, mate. If you want to go toward me, you really can. The last person to do that was Dame Alison West from NatWest Bank. And look what happened to her. I've no idea what that means. That's all too British for me, but whatever. So I suggest, Mr. Ligo, that I'm prepared to ignore your rude one-handed gestures, the rude pathetic attempts from your staff to stitch me up. I'm prepared to forget all of this, if we can call a truce. If you really want to go to war with me, I don't think it would do ITV share prices a lot of good. Again, what are you talking about? What are you actually... I Grant me, grant me the arrogance of any man. Just it, like... In a baffling that he thinks he holds that much influence over anything. Fucking hell. Man couldn't influence one of his own bowel movements. Do you know what I mean? Shut up. Shut up. Anyway, just, yeah. But I do think that we... I'm not saying we need to stop the politicians, right? That's not what I'm saying. Because they are correct in that they've had... It's always been... As much as I disagree that, like, should politicians fall under the celebrity category? They're certainly famous. Are they celebrities? Hmm, not sure. But anyway. I just think you can have people in there with different views. But, like, sometimes the views do need to be called into question when they are inflammatory and dangerous, I would say. And that's just my opinion. And do ITV give a fuck about my opinion? Certainly not, girls. But anyway, next season, we'll see. A weird season. I know a lot of people are saying, I was very in and out. I didn't really watch it consistently. I know a lot of people are saying, best ever, Sam, uh, Tony, having all those interactions, whatever. But a lot of darkness over it. Like, I think there's a lot to come out still about the treatment of Nella Rose, you know, reaction from kind of Fred Siru and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. A bit of a weird one. Did you enjoy it? Let me know. HelloFlopCultureGmail.com And finally, the Golden Globes. We cleaned up, girls. Half of the six nominees for Best Actor in a Drama Motion Picture at the 2024 Golden Globes are Irish. And most importantly, one-sixth of them are from Cork. Killy Murphy, he's, he's probably the favourite to win uh, playing nuclear physicist Oppenheimer in... Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. He's nominated. Barry Keoghan uh, is nominated uh, for his role in Saltburn and Merle Fennell's Saucy Story. I have not watched yet. Please, no spoilers. I've managed to avoid a lot of them. I think if I've watched it in time, myself and Owen might talk about it a little bit on the Patreon. And if not, I might just let him talk about it. He's seen Wonka. He's going to talk about Wonka too. I'm excited for that. Um, Andrew Scott, also up for his role in Andrew High's All of Us Strangers, in which he stars opposite Paul Mescal. Very excited to see all of them. And then, in terms of more Irish goodness, Yorgos Lanthimos's Poor Things, which stars Emma Stone. I'm really excited to see it. It's actually produced by Element Pictures from Dublin. They're after getting seven nominations, which is great. It's fab. Um, and then Barbie is topping the charts. Barbie has nine noms. Good for them. Oppenheimer follows with eight. Bit of a weird award ceremony, though. It just feels like it can't escape 2019. 
uh, when a investigation from the Los Angeles Times found that there were uh, a lot of unfair practice going on in terms of nominations and a huge lack of representation within the Hollywood Foreign Press Association meant the show came off air for a year. It's now moving to a new network, so we'll we'll see. Despite it all, it is it like I suppose some people would ask like why bother with it then? It's like a good indication for the Oscars. And it is also just a thing to be like, oh, like, you know what I mean? It's a much broader award ceremony in terms of its categories now. I, like I say that now, even though st- I know there's been a lot of critique around some of the female categories that they're not particularly diverse this year in terms of nominations. But the fact that the categories are split, you know, with comedy and drama, I don't know. Like, I'd like to see it come back and actually be a thing that's taken seriously again, but I just don't know if it ever will, especially apparently this year they're really struggling to find a host. They went and asked Chris Rock. Chris Rock was like, nope, these are all alleged, I should say. Went to comedian Ali Wong. She said no. They went to the guys that host Smartless, those three lads. I know they have names. I'm just not, there's too many names to say in succession quickly at this hour of the morning. Um, they reportedly can't do it. Now, a spokesperson for the Golden Globes has come out and said, we're having three important conversations at the minute. So I think they will have a host, but then you're reading kind of other reports that hosts feel it's a very thankless job. And again, because it's not as like glitzy, ritzy, seen as important anymore as, again, the likes of the Emmys or the Oscars. So I don't know. They could 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 it go hostless again? I hope they don't because I kind of hate when they do that. It's not as it's not as interesting to me. But we'll see. I think Killian has it, um, and I can't wait for his his speech. His hopelessly awkward. I hope he cries. If there's one thing I love, it's seeing Irishmen cry of happiness. I'm not wishing misery on Irishmen. Am I? Actually, not sure. Maybe we'll come back to that and unpack that at some point. Um, but I love. All I want is good. Now I don't think he will cry now that I'm singing out loud. The thought of Killian Murphy shedding just a single tear. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant girls. Anyway, I did say that this was one of my favourite topics of this season. I stand by that and I am so, so furiously excited to talk about this week's flop. Adaptations. They can be very, very tricky. Particularly when it... Fuck. Adaptations can be very, very tricky, particularly when the source material is as beloved as High Fidelity, the 1995 novel by Nick Hornby. It gets trickier again when said source material has already been adapted for the silver screen and has found a loving, cult, predominantly male audience. So what happens when you attempt to capture that same magic for television with a slightly rejigged main character only for a pesky pandemic to scupper the whole plan anyway. Joining me to discuss High Fidelity, the 2020 television series, is singer-songwriter Sunita Appiah-Karang. Enjoy. Sunita Appiah-Karang, thank you so much for joining me on Flop Culture. How are you doing? I'm great now. Thank you for having me. 
I'm thrilled to have you in in my gaff for a gaff edition of Flop Culture. You're very gracious that way. Oh, I know. I mean, listen, we love it. I'm, I'll always open the door to chat about flops, you know. Uh, talk to me about what you picked. I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited as well. I picked High Fidelity. So the TV series released in early 2020 with mm. Zoe Kravitz as the main character. But there was a book and there was a movie. Yes. Which people might be more familiar with the movie. Yes, so the novel was by British author Nick Hornby, first published in 1995. And then, as you said, it's probably the 2000 movie that people are most familiar with, with yeah. John Cusack. But I had actually, I haven't read the book still. Yeah. I'd only just watched the movie as a result of this. But I watched the TV show first because I wanted really? to. Yeah, I wanted to go, because you'd picked it, I wanted to go in without the legacy of the movie mm-hmm. colouring what I thought of the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad I did. And I will say, this is one of the few examples of when people come with flaps or whatever and we do episodes on them. Yeah. Like, usually I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I fucking love this. And it's one that I think I will recommend to everyone. And the minute I started watching it, I was like, I was, you know, from episode one, I was yeah. like, this is it. This bit is a, a bit of me. Yeah. I love it. When did you first watch it? Did you watch it during the pandemic? I watched it during the pandemic, probably shortly after the hype of it. Okay. And then when I watched it, like, I felt like the name was familiar to me, but I didn't know why. I was mm. just like, eh, whatever. Like, sounds like it's part of the canon one way or another. I don't know why. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I watched, rewatched the movie for this. And I was like, oh, I've seen this, like probably in my childhood like mm. if I felt like it was you know the way you had the like poverty channels you'd have the same kind of whatever 10 just playing over 10, and over 90s, again 90s naughties movies in the canon just like yeah. playing so I felt like it, it felt part of my memory in that sense and then when I rewatched it I was like this is familiar but adult eyes on it I was like oh god like why is this the one that's like classic celebrated there's a bit of rah-rah-rah about the TV series by comparison to it mm. and why did we not get continuation of the, the TV series I was very annoyed I mean, it's just devastating. Like, it is, one yeah. and done season, Zoe Kravitz leading the pack. Yes. It's, I just, I adored it. And yeah. I'm so, I'm so frustrated that it didn't get the second what? season that it I'm, deserved. I, would, I wish I had watched it in reverse, even though I kind of did because my memory only really serves me as to like the TV series more so. And I was comparing it to that. But curious as to like, yeah, what, what did, what, what, what brought you in straight off? I'm a big music lover anyway, um, and I liked the, I love the fourth wall breaks. Mm-hmm. So like for anyone that's not familiar, the TV series follows Rob, who's, who Zoe Kravitz plays. Yeah. She runs this record shop. She's really into vinyl yeah. and she's kind of going through all her past relationships and her past heartbreaks exactly. following this kind of monumental heartbreak and we learn why it's yeah. monumental with this guy called Mac and yes. you're meeting her friends that she also works with in the record shop with and like her family dynamics and stuff like that. Mm. It was very kind of like I'm also watching Fleabag at the minute so I found that was interesting. It's very Fleabag-esque but I loved like the music pop culture references. Mm. I thought the writing was very sharp. Mm. I thought the performances are really good. Yeah. Uh, Devine Joy Randolph as like the Jack Black Barry character. Perfect. Inspired. Well aligned. Oh, I'm (laughs) obsessed with her. She was even like wasted in the idol. Perfect. I was just thinking I was like what a like disappointing trajectory. The only other thing I'd seen her in was in the fecking sorry. um, You could swear. Oh, absolutely. Swear away. Um, on the idol and even at that like this glimpse I also stopped watching it halfway through to be fair but I'm sure and she that was the correct back. call because it does not get better I genuinely you. was just like I don't know if I have the patience for this but yeah yeah, I yeah, I probably will at some point come back to it because like that I was like there are people in this I really want to support mm. and I love in this but 
Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, no, anyway. She's great in this. Yeah, I just, I found her as a character, Rob, really dynamic. I loved that kind of flawed protagonist, antagonist. You're kind of rooting for them, you're kind of not. Yeah. I just felt it was really, the world was very well built out. The use of music is obviously really clever. Questlove was on that. Yeah, like, yeah, and it didn't, I feel, now obviously it's only like two, three years old, whatever, but it didn't feel ham-fisted in the way that I think a lot of like contemporary shows can be when you're talking about pop culture. I don't know, I just fucking, but like what was your first reaction when you watched it, especially having watched the movie as well and having that comparison? Because for me, I just entered the movie and I was like, I I get why it was so big at the time and like John Cusack, okay, hot, whatever. (laughs) Maybe to some people, I don't know. But I just remember... Everyday man hot. Yeah, everyday man hot. Excessively hot. Yeah, (laughs) excessively hot, yeah. (laughs) But I just remember thinking, there's nothing likable about his character in High Fidelity, the movie. No? Or what do you think? So this is the thing. Like, I actually genuine, like, I was genuinely like, was this, like, legitimately a flop? As in, my definition being a flop of, like, it was cancelled, but I enjoyed it. And I talked to a couple of friends, and they liked it, but they'd all be kind of, like, people that really like music and Zoe Kravitz. Um, But, yeah, I was wondering as to whether, like, on a kind of more wider viewing audience whether it seemed a bit wanky and mm. that's actually like ultimately my question is like can someone reckon with me set me straight am I am I a bit of a wanker <laughs> for you know um because like so the, a couple of things that really resonated for me I love I love vinyl love music all of that stuff I also am just a fan of Zoe Kravitz she's just like unfathomably cool to me she's fair. look nepo baby she is yeah. but like she's good like, she owns she, it she, yeah eat, like she eats in this yeah. like she's just she's yeah. relatable but she's unlikable and it, it goes back to you're rooting for her you're kind you want to pick exactly. her up and shake her you know yeah she is a very good actor I'll give her that like. she does yeah and I think that like I felt like this is the most believable role that I'd seen her in like yes. she kind of plays a slightly like cool unlikable character in a couple of different Shows I'm thinking, is it Big Little Liars with Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and a couple of... Things? I actually haven't seen that, which I know is like... I'm going to keep... Desperate, sorry, yeah. No, no, I literally only recently watched yeah. it. Yeah, um, it's on the list. It's on the ever-growing list. It'll be, it'll be good when you tap in. There's a lot of drama there. I feel like it's a vibe, yeah. But she kind of plays like... She has a prototype and I felt like this was just the most fitting prototype that was exactly what you mentioned, like timely. Um, and kind of like, because of the fact that it's lending this story that you know, was popular in the 90s with this kind of, I'm going to call him like sad boy, fuck boy vibes, but like no one would have tagged him as that at that time. I feel like it's the time like, you know, where, I don't know, dudes being like into alternative and asking questions like, hey, like, what about you? What are you thinking about? Really? Like, I just want to get to know you, girl. You know, like that brand of guy that was maybe like the alter to the macho 90s dude um, was popular and that gave birth to the Adam Brodies and like this whole like gen generation of like, geek hotties. Sad soft boys, yeah. Yeah, that we all loved in the early noughties. Like, that's just, like, the, the epitome of that era. And I feel like that's probably why it was celebrated. Like, it felt very accessible to the guys that were like, I've got lots of girlfriends, but they don't like me for me. And they mm. like the chalk, and they're, like, so misguided, whatever. Um, so I felt like this, the, like, the, the TV series version of it and why it resonated with me was because it... I was conflicted with it. Like, on some level, I was like, this... I, I feel like it resonates with me because it felt familiar, actually, because in Cork home home town yes. yeah. lived there for 10 years 
In Triscoll, there is there was a record shop slash restaurant gulped and plugged. Don't know if you ever remember. Yes, I do. Yeah. So like John Cusack's character from that somewhat reminded me of Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy, to name you out now in flop culture. You're not a flop, but it's, it, there are echoes of the story that I was like, this is so close to home. Yeah. Because he is like this grumpy, kind of like nonchalant, cool, like he loves real music. If you ask him what he likes and he's not going to go into like specifics about who and what he's listening to. Yeah, like he's very like, this is good pop. This is bad pop. Exactly. And he's like Tina Turner in the bad pop. And I'm like, what the fuck? What do you know? Exactly. Rob. Yeah, exactly. Shut up. <laughs> like, the Beatles were popular for a reason. Harry Styles quote about girls, you know, basically yeah. taste making and it being good. But yeah, it, it really like reminded me of that scene. I felt that I could imagine that in a Cork setting or in any kind of Puritan music like city. Like it's based in Chicago. Cork kind of feels like that to me in some ways coming from the music scene as being like a counterculture to like the things that are popular. Like mm-hmm. and everyone there is very proud of what they do, rightly so. Um, but it felt like genuinely real to have conversations with other musicians that were really like dismissive in some way but also like sadly romantic about not being accepted by all the hotties that they want to be aligned with and I'm like yeah girls like you can't have the best of both worlds so it felt familiar in that sense um but then like the the New York version with um Zoe Kravitz as Rob was just a nice flip of dynamic because all the flaws in the movie which are like retrospectively saw and found annoying because they were just really vapid as well Mm. Um, they were like a little bit more substantiated like she's this hottie you're kind of wondering like how the fuck are we supposed to believe that you Zoe Kravitz are not loved in New York City and have like men pounding at your door but also it really does resonate with like dating culture now it's like you know people can um, have the ick over things that you're kind of like is this really a deal breaker like it really kind of captured a little bit of like dating culture now and the void and sadness of it, but also the opportunity to be meeting, you know, 10 different people and kind of the story that you tell about yourself and why you're not like out there yeah. experiencing it. And in New York as well, you'd experience like that's probably, or you'd assume rather that that's probably one of like the best places to be dating in the mm. world, right? But um, it was, it was, I don't know, it was like a bit of a transportative dive into like, what would it be like to be Zoe Kravitz in New York, having a big heartbreak moment and just being kind of annoying but totally relatable. Yeah. I love, like it is just, it's very vibey, it's very cool, I want to live in the apartment. Mm, You know what I mean? There was something like deeply comforting about it even though it's so far away from my own world and so unrelatable in that way but I could see shards of myself and shards of the life that I have lived in her. You know, whereas like, uh, not being funny, of course I'm going to look at John Cusack's Rob, a 30 year old man and be like, well, this story doesn't fucking speak to me at all because he's (laughs) like this kind of toxic masculine, like trope of a man. And I get like, again, maybe I'd feel differently had I watched the John Cusack one. And I will say it's not that I don't like the movie. Mm. I think a lot of it works well and it's very of the time and I think to criticise exactly. for some of the language and like the misogyny it's like you know, that's, that is just the way some men talk though yeah, as well you know what yeah. I mean I think it's realistic in that sense Yeah, but yeah I, ju- I don't know it was hard not to turn on the TV series and just fall in love with the location the characters the stories yeah. everything so I guess like should we kind of like to some degree structure like what was similar about them like structurally or just like anything and then kind of the things that were like because I think the things that were done differently and the things that were done similarly were interesting in both yeah because the movie as far as I'm aware is a very faithful adaptation of the book exactly and even the author acknowledged that himself yeah whereas again I kind of wasn't expecting the TV series in the now they're not exactly the same Mm. how could they be when you're talking about a 10 episode 
TV show and a, and yeah. a movie, yeah, yeah. a nearly two hour long movie. Yeah. But they are, the beats are incredibly similar, similar. throughout. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a great reverence to the moments that people will want to see in yes. a TV series. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, so it, like, both open with them going through this kind of ultimate heartbreak of theirs. Yeah. The TV series, it's Rob and Mac. Yeah. Who she was engaged to yes had seemed to be with forever like they got on really well yeah. and Friend then brothers met that way exactly and then the relationship seems to implode yeah. and we don't really know why until we follow throughout the series yes. that's one thing I did enjoy as well I think it does from a structural point work well as a series like tracking yeah. the different relationships throughout each episode mm-hmm. but for the movie then it's the same but it's Rob and Laura and again we meet them in their apartment and yes they're breaking up and he's like, just stay the night, whatever, when she's gone. Yeah. Uh, but again, we're learning as the movie goes on that he's actually been such a bad person to her in so many ways, like has betrayed her in so many ways. Like, talk yeah. to me about it. Just that reveal, I was like, oh my God, you are a hideous, hideous person. Yeah, so I mean, like we discover like later in the movie that ultimately he's like cheated on her. Mm. Uh, and, and like also like I guess like I was trying to kind of give a bit of humanity to like what is the reason for him like what is the, what's the, the nucleus of his like complacency with Laura in the first place which I feel like there's like one line that I was like okay is this a giveaway as to why you had faltering interest was that she used to be like a cool hippie to be like laid back girl into similar-ish things as he was but then she started taking her lawyer career t- seriously and cleaned up her act a bit or like became an adult and he was just like resentful of that mm. so again like even taking away the layers of like misogyny and just annoying fucking talk track, I, the the essence of the book and and the movie and what they're trying to explore is. And I asked this to a friend, and it was really interesting to have that conversation. It's like two single gals. Like, is it important to have a partner that you have like shared a lot of shared interests with? Is that more important? then maybe like having shared values or kind of goals in life mm. and structural things that you want to work towards, like what makes a better relationship and what makes you fit and feel comfortable and like build life. And who knows what the fucking answer to that is now, to be fair, I'm, I'm no... <laughs> I- Jory's still out. We will not be able to answer that today on Flop Culture. That is not what this is about. <laughs> but like, like there was like a, something a little bit more poignant in the air as to what the movie was trying to explore. And sure then, I suppose, yeah, he basically goes off and cheats on her and... Uh, she finds out, I can't remember the exact story of it, but like she finds out and they break up and she moves out of the house. And yeah. And also, I guess like he only really starts to lose his mind when he realizes that she might have a love interest herself and yeah. sleep with him, which is like the real like betrayal. That's the entire crux oh, of it. Like at least, so weird. I don't know, with TV, Rob, it was like, it was yeah. a love thing. It was a connection thing, but like, with yeah. the movie, Rob, it's just this, it's so physical and like, ugh. Yeah, which again, like, thing of its time, but also something that I was curious about as far as just like, is this, like, what? Like, I wonder, yeah, like watching, I would love to watch it with a bunch of dudes and kind of figure out as whether Is this reflective? Is this actually true? I'm sure it is. It's you know, the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, in some ways, I feel like maybe both of them are completely like, the level of movie and TV show that they were ever going to be because maybe they just tap into what the experience would be like from either perspective. I don't know if I'm being like limiting in that way, but like the interest and the intrigue of Rob is kind of that she seems like we don't really actually get the like the 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 real crux of the issue with her and Mac in terms no. of things seem so rosy and good and I think that's also part of the critique that it got a lot of the time they were like they're, the things that like John Cusack or Rob in the movie did were like deplorable enough that you can kind of hate him and then like he had this realization of the fact that he was wrong whereas like with um Rob Zoe it seemed that she was just kind of complacent and annoying and you couldn't really actually like get 
to the bottom of like what is the thing that you're really afraid of because yeah. like her brother's also like you like to like ruin everything and kind of like create problems for yourself and self-sabotage like, give yeah. us some backstory what happened to you Rob who who broke you like mm. I want to know I want to connect you know and we didn't get that because the second second season to come out but like there wasn't enough of a hint to understand that you kind of just get the impression that she's spiraling as she gets proposed to so Mac proposes to her um and this is the point at which she essentially, yeah, goes into self-sabotage. Yeah, mode. she, he's in the middle of making dinner. So she's like, right. He, yeah. And she finds the ring. Oh so she, God. it's not even that he proposes. Yeah. She's rooting through something, finds the ring. Yeah. Is like, I need to go out and get cat food. We're out of cat food. Goes out, goes to the bar, cheats on him. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> like, oh my. And I don't know, I probably should have seen that coming, but I didn't. And then when I saw it all transpire, I was like, oh my God, of course, that's what happened. Yeah. She goes back, obviously doesn't say this to him, but says like, oh, I found the ring, whatever. They agree to get engaged. But this only comes out then after the fact, yeah. after they break up, yeah. Mac moves to England. England. They think She thinks she's never going to see him again because yeah. we actually meet her a year a after year, they yeah. split. Yeah. Then as it turns out, he's actually back in town. He's a new girlfriend. And... They're engaged. And they're engaged. What a second... Spiral city. Yeah, no. To be fair, you would be spiraling. Truly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, she she was barely out of the spiral by the time that he was coming back and sure, he sent her into a loop again. Yeah. Um, That felt like more of a justified spiral than movie Rob. I guess, like, this is the thing as well, is, like, I can kind of get the idea of being self-wallowing and, like, you know, if you had a significant relationship that was going somewhere and you don't really even know why you, you sabotaged it, like, still being, whatever, caught up in your feelings a year later, but... Yeah, it got it just got messier after that. Um, what do we think? I had a question there, yeah. What do we think about um her telling Mac, like, after they're broken up and hanging out, the reasoning as to like, I mean, is was that, that necessary? Like, was it necessary? Probably not. And I yeah. think if it was for anyone, it was for herself. It wasn't for she wasn't thinking of Mac yeah. at all. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like Max reaction. Mm. Obviously, I get the hurt and betrayal, but surely then at that point you've moved on with your life, or yeah. that's the that's the kind of image he's trying to put forward with this new life with Lily and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I, so I kind of questioned his response and his yeah. level of anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that unpacking, and then obviously them kind of that moment kind of pushing each other back into each other's arms in some way. It's, yeah. I found that a bit nuts, like. It was a bit, like, I just, obviously I got it from a dramatic arc perspective. Totally, yeah. That. But equally, I was just kind of like, oh my God, how probable if you felt that you were trying to get back with your ex, would it be that you'd be like, oh, so just to like pepper the situation here. I suppose maybe just to trigger a reaction and see as to whether they cared about it at all. Maybe, um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that that was, I guess like those were the kind of marked differences that I'm like, this is just your chaos merchant, Rob, but I kind of love it. Like, I, just like <laughs> hearing a story about your friend being like, now why would you do that ever? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. But like, I can tell that you're kind of just spiraling and I don't love it for you, but like, I love that we're having the story and when you get over this, we're going to laugh at how much of a, a messy bitch you are. Yeah. Um, or like a messy bitch any one of us could be basically at, at any time. And I think that they were the interesting parts by comparison to the movie in that like, the movie very much sets up like so the, the desert island top five memorable heartbreaks is basically him reflecting over the, the most memorable of my heartbreaks and by and large a lot of them are just kind of like you know he, I guess the underpinning thing is that he feels that he is a flop as a person he feels like he's not that hot he's not that successful in like whatever uh, career driven mm. and he always had proximity to like beautiful and cool women or else pious women that he couldn't have sex with and then dropped um <laughs> So, like, you know, he just had proximity to hotness that he wanted to tap and maybe align with himself with and feel a little bit more, like, 
solid or yeah. whatever. And maybe he felt the closest to that with Laura, even if she didn't necessarily have the same like likeness of things and, you know, tastes in music and lifestyle or whatever else um, that he had. Whereas with the TV series, I felt like it went a bit beyond that in terms of, yes, it like summarized that sense of like insecurity and maybe like mental like health like there's you know there's like subtle like cues for when she starts smoking a little bit more and kind of like she does these like really subtle things that are pervasive that I think are you know they touch on like real life like when you kind of see your friend slipping into like a bit of it like maybe not like depression per se but just you know they're not really mm. all right per se mm. um, but they're holding things together and kind of maybe doing again chaos merchant type activity um and I felt like that was interesting about it was that it was just like subtle even as much as it was dramatic but then also the stories kind of went away from just like I had a heartbreak and this like silly reason was why you know it kind of and it, it like introduced a new character in Clyde the kind of normcore hottie that loves to climb I loved him now I loved him and I kind yeah. of like and I this is probably this is probably deliberate not that I hated him at the start but it was mm. just like my god these two seem so mismatched and yeah. this is such a going to be an absolute disaster of a date because yeah. he's the first date she goes on yeah. post Mac breakup even though it's like a year later yeah, and yeah. they just like he's not really that into music and as you yeah. said like so normy yeah. she even kind of goes to like leave the date at one point but realises she leaves her phone behind and has to go back and from he that point that. then he won me over because I was like this guy is kind of funny like yeah. he, he kind of knew what was going on he yeah. knew that she was going to try like yeah try and leave and he won her over even that whole mission with <laughs> going to Parker Posey's character oh about God. buying the record collection I just know, I know do you reckon he's the one was he the one for Rob I, I wanted to see that happen because that was exactly I feel like he was purposely place in the TV series I don't think that there's an equivalent character in the movie uh, no that, like, definitely actually not. competes with Laura and kind of gives him something to actually think and a decision to make here mm. as, as far as like what trajectory does he want to take um but yeah I think that he was placed there for a reason and I definitely like as soon as he walked in I was just like I'm going through therapy now so you know I'm kind of like yeah he's like the secure attachment style <laughs> that like if you're a messy bitch you just wouldn't like it would be knocking on your head like hey I'm actually here for you and you just be like nah like, yeah you know totally interested in everything else so I was I was interested in seeing how that arc would go because like I think that yeah that's very much on the pulse of like people trying to understand themselves edging towards 30 trying to figure out their lives and feeling that you know 30 has like some level of urgency around configuring what the next steps in your your life need to be and just the complications of like yeah of of dating of like reckoning with yourself and what's going on um and he was one of the he was the nuggets that like I felt were like more compelling about the TV series but apparently like in terms of critique like it did get really decent ratings Rotten Tomato wise and uh, IMD and like even like The Guardian and The New York Times had like relatively decent Mm. uh, critiques for it but I think the main thing that they were saying that was like not as believable or something was that one that like Zoe Kravitz is just too hot to be this like everyday normcore person that like is having trouble dating and unable to kind of latch Mm. with someone which I was just like hey I know pretty privilege is a thing but like give her some kudos there's some hotties out there that are struggling but like also like she can be a bit melty personality wise like you know I I pulled out some of the interviews because these are reviews I should say because as you said it did I think it rated reasonably well. Now, as you said, there yeah. was a ginormous hype in the lead up to it because yeah. it was this like adaptation of this cult movie and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I don't really know if it kind of made any real waves here. And then you also had the pandemic. So like this came yeah. out February 2020. So I feel like it was just swallowed up then. Yeah. But some of the ones that I pulled out that kind of 
attempted to poke holes in it. So the Guardian one that you'd mentioned uh, said, Kravitz is an able actor who shines and robs moments of genuine conflict, mm. but is miscast for a role as a relatable every woman whose self-pity is supposed to anchor a five-hour show. It's hard to take her seriously when she saunters down the street saying, New York is full of people who make you feel not yeah. enough, or proclaims she's always dreamed of dating a musician. Which, I mean, I kind of, I do get it, and it's also yeah. something she's said in the wake of the show being cancelled that mm. like they wanted to kind of dial down even the toxicness of her mm. character and the, her thought processes buying things one yeah. example she gave was uh, when she meets Lily Mac's new fiance for yes. the first time in the bar and like she, she imagines like to beating the shit out of her know, and other yeah. people beating the shit out of her <laughs> which like not great obviously but like I think everyone can relate to that moment where you're just Blood red with the rage. You never do it. You never actually want it to happen. Yeah, but yeah. you're thinking, fuck you, you're so smug and you have this life that I want and you're with this exactly. person that I was with. I, and I'm so angry about it, but I have to you're just be like... You're definitely half hoping that they'll sit on chewing gum or something. Yeah, you know, something just... <laughs> just like banal kind of <laughs> discomfort. You're like, yeah, that'd be great. But you're just sitting there trying to be cordial <laughs> then. It's the most frustrating thing ever. Yeah. She said like, they really wanted to like pull that back, but she was really? very much... Because she's an executive producer on it. She was like, no, no, like this... She yes. has to be this kind of flawed and a bit annoying and a bit rotten, like, and not figured out. So a question, something that I also was trying to unpack about this was, is she a pick-me? Like, if we talk about, like, the, oh. the kind of, like, um, the quintessential dude that's, like, soft boy or, like, a bit of a soft boy fuck boy, I'm like, is she, like, the answer to, like, the desirable pick-me that, like, is a bit jaded and, like, you know... Yeah, kind, kind of. of, but I don't think she realises then. And I, to be honest, I think that's also, and you touched on it there at the start, I think that's also what might have pushed people off from watching it. Mm. I think because it is so music-focused and music-forward and there's yeah. lots of references that are very niche. And to be honest, yeah. a lot of them went over my head, but I still, like, appreciated yeah. them and stuff. And well, the ones I did, slamming out the wazoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know, people who consider themselves, like, not that into music would right. probably be like this isn't for me, this is too pretentious, this isn't accessible. Yeah. Which yeah. is a shame because I'm like, yeah, it's so much more than that, but it's also just to add to her character and it's, of course, she's really into music, she runs yeah. a record shop. Yeah. It's really important to her. Yeah. These moments that are soundtracked by albums and artists and stuff like that. Yeah. And also there's enough like other characters in it that kind of give you a little bit of meat and bones. So it's not strictly only just getting annoyed by her. like Exactly. And they definitely you know? aren't as... It's like, I don't know, they don't, I wouldn't say they're as pretentious or as pick me yeah, as her. They're like, grounding, yeah. The, the two characters in the, the Devine Joy's character and. Yes, yeah, Charisse and Charisse. Simon is the friend. Simon, name. Yeah. 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 Because Simon has his own capsule episode as well, which loved I loved that. So gorgeous. Yeah, that was gorgeous. Yeah, like. yeah, 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 exactly. And like, it also like gave a little bit more substance to their friendship as well. Like, it was interesting that they had dated before and mm. then, you know, he'd come out and realise that he was gay and like that, there was this, like, bit of discovery. Because I also think that there's, like, something interesting in, like, the friendship dynamics and how, you know, Rob being this, like, central character that, like that, kind of just dramat not dramatises all of her dramas, but just as, like, a stroppy kind of teenager means that they have to kind of tiptoe around her, but they have these whole lives, like Sharice is trying to embark on her music journey and start this band, and then Rob does that nice thing of getting her the guitar, which is like this nice little kind of um, supportive act. And there was a lot of scope to kind of, like, in terms of thinking of the longevity of the TV series and did it actually have, like, 
actual scope to be a second, like for there to be a second series. Like probably I would have said cap it at two mm. and give us the full story so we can like round it up nicely. Um, but there were there were little driblets here and there where I, I could see like two episodes being dedicated to Sharice's journey in the music industry and maybe finding out what that looks like in New York and how that might have changed. And similar with Simon as well in the kind of LGBTQ dating scene, which I was like, I would be interested in seeing that. Um, but yeah, missed opportunities. Yeah, I thought it was so funny how like Simon is in Rob's top five heartbreaks of all time yeah. and then she does not even register on his like, like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just, I, I think the TV show is a lot, and again, I know they're coming out at completely different times and yeah. it's completely different perspectives. Yeah. I found the TV show a lot funnier than the movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there were a lot of like punchy lines in there. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I didn't, when I watched the movie, again, I don't know, I have a hard time watching things in the past now, to be honest, because like as much as I'm trying to be like, this is just off its time, like. Oh, some of it is like quite hard to stomach and that's yeah. even like one of the reviews from of the tv show from pitchfork kind of highlighted that as well and why yeah. it didn't work for this particular writer so they said part of what made nick hornby's 1995 novel such a hit leading to a 2000 movie adaptation was its uncensored view into mm. the psyche of stunted self-pitying supposedly sensitive straight men who obsess over stuff and stuff is italicized <laughs> yeah. this fundamental maleness was well noted in reviews at the time yeah. uh, hornby's okay. books reveal a fascination with the sheer voodoo of what so often passes as masculinity the weird ritual facts the useless objects Mm. wrote the New Yorker while Lad Mag Details was a bit blunter keep this book away from your girlfriend it contains too many of your secrets to let it fall into <laughs> the wrong hands and oh, they just kind of went into the fact that like even gender flipping it and stuff which the TV series is it kind of yeah. can't get away from what it is yeah. at its blood which is this really singular like toxic masculine viewpoint yeah. of women and dating like it, and it life it edges on kind of like without using buzzwords it, it edges on like kind of the, a complacent movie that would be made by someone that's like an insult that's just really I like, was going to yeah Incelli was, like, oh, was the oh my god and I know yeah. it's such a buzzy word but like and it's potentially too strong for this but it's like probably, it is probably too strong but I, like, I was watching there, it though, and I was just know? a bit like yeah like someone reviewing this now definitely would have brought that up yeah you know yeah uh, this was another good line that I saw again this is from Amanda Hess from uh, New York Times and this was when she was talking about you know, when Hollywood, like, kind of desperately trying to, like, gender flip things. Yeah. She wrote, these reboots require women to relive men's stories instead of fashioning their own. And mm. they're subtly expected to fix these old films to neutralise their sexism and infuse yeah. them with feminism to rebuild them into good movies with good politics too. They have, <laughs> yeah, they have to do everything the men did except backwards and with ideals. Yeah. Which is why, again, I'm kind of glad I watched it. Like, my view of when I think of High Fidelity I'll think of the TV show I won't think of the movie and I think it's it's hard if it had been a story on its own yeah I think it would have been this like gorgeous little you know workplace kind of comedy dramedy thing yeah. Yeah. that had music at its core and pop culture at its core but because it's living in the shadow of this massive like behemoth movie yeah 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 yeah. it was ne- it was never going to be you know what I mean it, to be honest even if you wrote something that was like well it's not high fidelity but it's like loosely it, it, it was always of, going to be yeah, yeah and it's always going to be compared <clears throat> so in that way I'm like 
did it ever really stand a chance? I don't know. I know, yeah. And I think that like the timeliness as well, probably of when High Fidelity came out, like you're you're talking about Chicago, which is like a, like just kind of looking at the musical ang- like angle of it, like huge um, alt rock, proggy, post punky kind of a scene. So I feel like maybe part of also the fascination with it was that it was this like counterculture movie that was like very very popular that was capturing maybe a mood at a time and this kind of personality that maybe was quite commonplace. Whereas actually, like all of the things that you mentioned in terms of like the response that this show would have had to do to try and level off some of the kind of toxic things that we remember from the movie but also make it interesting and maybe more relevant to like a today story mm. was happening and then on top of that there was just other elements where I was just like how probable would it be now that there would be like a female vinyl like record shop owner in Brooklyn and like it's made to seem like her apartment and the record shop is like modest and that like there's like some busy day the apartment's fucking huge, huge. like gorgeous 60s or like all the mods and cons of like that kind of like Mad Men era type furnishing in the gaff and I want to lives redo, on her own yeah I want to know? redo my entire house now so that it looks like her pink <laughs> living room it's, I know and the bathroom and everything yeah. now the bathroom was mank as well in the scene where she's watching Sopranos and yeah. she's in the bath on her birthday <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the tiles I was like Jesus Christ girl get a sponge out um, but yeah no that's also like yeah. highly unbelievable but again I'm willing to suspend belief to, exactly. to look at nice pink walls but I kind of know? loved that especially I think that there was like things there that were interesting in that like in the movie it kind of does make note of you know um, John Cusack's character inherits the record shop because mm. he worked there as like a young stern kind of just like became part of the furniture in the same way that his friends are and the same happens for her but it just seems like so much more Improbable because, like, probably any grass, like, any, like, record shops that happen, like, I, I'm thinking of London more so where you go to, like, a, a record shop that is owned by non, like, white, huge um, brands are probably more grassroots and, like, maybe, like, the Kingston community and the reggae scene where they got, you know, set up, like, small little pop-ups and they gain prestige over decades because they're the, one of the few places that do what they do mm. in an area. So, like, I don't know, there was, like, a lot of room to kind of paint, like, an interesting alternative history to like how would this person exist in a New York and like that also may be something that was unrelatable because I'm just like it is kind of you know fantastical as to like how how does this Zoe Kravitz character inherit this and like you know is still complacent about her life mainly in the the context of her love life when there's all this cool shit that would never really easily happen. because she says she buys it like so I'm like how yeah. the fuck did you outrightly buy yeah. the building if that is what's being applied maybe I right. took that up wrong but yeah, it is yeah, just yeah. crazy yeah. that was like yeah there was just kind of a couple of notes where I was just like I wish that it, it allowed the fantasy to go because also like in the same kind of like just nonsensical way sex in the city and just how affluent all of them were and mm. like you just never ask any practical questions but like you're just born into the story and like we live in this context everyone's wearing you know uh, Monono Blanix and running around the place you know mm. yeah yeah, I couldn't get anything in terms of viewership for it because it was on uh, it's on Disney Plus yeah. over here but it was on Hulu yeah. in the States which yeah. is they're all one over in the States basically and like streamers are really cagey about mm. actual viewing figures but like I know I picked out a few kind of not great reviews here but as I Go said on. generally it was Regalous. like no but like generally it was like pretty highly received yeah. like which is why like it, she's spoken herself now uh, Zoe Kravitz about uh, like Hulu themselves came out and said there were extensive talks uh, about them renewing and that yeah. there was energy and a want to keep it going but like they just couldn't um, and like Zoe said herself that the response that she got even from fans the amount of letters DMs people on the street and women that looked like us yeah. like that love for the show it meant yeah. something to people it was a big mistake um, huge huge like it's just <laughs> where do you think the show would have gone where would you have liked to have seen 
the characters end up, what yeah. you think. If you're saying that, okay, look, this show does have a shelf life, I think it could yeah. have gone for one more season and wrapped the story up nicely. Yeah. Where does everyone end up? What, what's Rob doing? Oh, Who's Rob question. with? Is Max still on the scene at all? Simon, Sharice, tell me. I'd love to see your vision if I you mean, have I one. I just wanted to see more of Mac just because I'm thirsty, but like... Oh, <laughs> what a stunning... Stunning man. Oh my he, god. Like Kingsley Benadire. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Edwell. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Yay, sorry. I was trying, I was like, you yeah. are in something that I've seen very recently and I can't place it. Yeah, it was literally yeah. Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kennedy out the gap. Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> Kennedy. Um, where would they have gone? Okay, I would see like Sharice maybe getting into the music industry performing kind of getting a bit of traction but like deciding that the music life is not for her what she wants to do is maybe be like an A&R person so she works like she gets exposure to like labels and stuff like that and kind of works in that and like essentially crossing over to the personality that she's in in the idol but in high fidelity yes <laughs> and in the more grassroots kind of humble humble way um I don't know where Simon's character would have gone but I really just wanted to go on that journey because he was just like a lovely uh reprise from Rob that I was like I just want to see what this guy's about he's just like quietly there privy to all the information always kind of like getting all of the story and the emotions out of Rob when she's throwing straps around the place and I want to I want to see how that dynamic would kind of because I feel like there were like a lot of interesting home truths that he could like um bring to her kind of just as far as how self-absorbed she's like I think yeah. the arc of like the second season I would like to think is she goes to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> or she, like, does something. Like, they could, you know, spin it around and make it fun and twee, but, like, that she kind of realises that she's just a bit of a gal sometimes. Yeah, after some kind it. of explosive row with exactly. Simon. I feel like they were due that. Like, it was... They exactly. were such good friends to her. Yeah. That was one of the other things I struggled with with the movie. And, again, maybe it's yeah. just because it was a male trio as opposed to this more kind of diverse pair. But, like, yeah. the friendship... Was w- and the friendship dynamics were way more believable between Sharice, yeah. Simon and Rob, even yeah. when they were being like, f- well, predominantly Rob, even when Rob was being an absolute fucking asshole. Yeah, With the yeah, three yeah. lads, I was just kind of like, okay, you work together and you all like music. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. And you're three... And they're the sidekicks. Straight white men, yeah. And one like, of them is just like a really shy kind of like... Yeah. Shadow of a man. Yeah, I was um, just like, it, it felt to be... Sh- <clears throat> one dimensional two dimensional or something whereas like you mentioned yeah. that moment of Sharice getting the instrument at the end and just Rob yeah. kind of realising and wanting to support her or like Simon being there for him and bringing like for on her birthday and yeah. stuff like that like there was it's rooted in love even when they do kind of have to get tough with each other exactly. you know exactly yeah 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 I, exactly all of that I feel mm. like there is like I don't know like Broad City is a thing of its own and it kind of is a bit zanier in terms of its tone but I do think that there was just like this could have been a contribution that was like maybe a little bit mellower in its tone but mm. certainly had like Sharice would bring that energy and a couple of other characters would bring the kind of punchy funny energy um, of New York to it but that yeah I could kind of have like little snippets of like what does it look like to be a young person either figuring out your like adult life in New York maybe the record shop comes into question and like you know I, I felt like a couple of things like that could have been interesting arcs but ultimately that she has a growing moment and kind of just cop- maybe she's on her own maybe she's with I would cross my fingers for Clyde because Clyde. Yeah. I just also like loved seeing him in a nice role because he was in uh, White Lotus that first season and I was just like, You're just too good at oh being Oh my a god, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Like he was so good at being the dickhead there that I was like and I saw him in White Lotus after having seen, yes. seen him in High Fidelity and it was just a good redeeming moment for him for me because I tend to believe actors when they <laughs> act in things too well I'm like I don't know now you're I'm a like, bit suspicious you're like you're evil <laughs> sure just, you're like evil, you're just though. your likeness is like the kind of bro jock that just is complacent about everything is just like too 
close to the bone, but we'll give you we'll give you a few um, brownie points. Yeah, for this. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to see him being a nice boy for a little while longer. Yeah, maybe climbing some more rocks or something. Fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would just love to see Rob kind of actively pandering after him, pursuing him. Like yeah, I feel like him, yeah, he just I replaced the Matt character, but like with not as much. You don't have as much history, so it's like there's yeah. probably a better chance of them rebuilding something. Yeah. But still kind of moments to see Rob being an absolute crazy person. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Did you have any particular alternate universe mm, yeah, ending for them? I I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to think of it. Like, I definitely see, just as we were talking about it, I can definitely see like Simon and Rob having some absolute blow up and that needing to be like yeah. the... And obviously Sharice is away and she's busy and Rob mm. kind of struggling on her own and realising how much she was taking them for granted. Yeah, actually. And probably Simon realising how much she needed like Sharice to kind of offset the like pandering to Rob's emotions all the time probably yeah. that, that he has to do. Yeah. But, and I think maybe it starts with her and Clyde kind of half seemingly trying to start fresh and mm. they're like trying to like date and take it like really, really slow yes. so as not to kind of sabotage things. But like yeah. she's kind of continuously being tempted by all these people in the background. I feel like the musician fella could come back up again. Oh my Even God, though, yeah. sorry, I will say on that, right? Yeah. That, because, okay, so for anyone not familiar, but again, if you're listening, I would assume you've watched, right? Yeah. She meets this musician fella, which again is supposed to mirror the movie because... Uh, her mother yeah, plays. Her mother plays a yeah. musician that yeah. uh, John Cusack gets with in the movie, which yes. I did like. I liked that connection. Yeah. Um, uh, TV Rob meets this, uh, or goes to see a gig and it's this Scottish guy. Thomas Doherty? Thomas Doherty, yeah. I know very his face, hot. but I don't know Yeah, why. again, I couldn't yeah. place the actor. Yeah. Um, she, and anyway, they go to see him and like, clearly they fancy each other or whatever, but she's kind of like not interested. She's still like undoing the Mac or whatever else yeah. they end up uh, getting together they go back to his place which is where she learns that he's like just graduated high school which makes him like 19 20 and she's about to turn 30 so she obviously has a like a fucking come to Jesus moment and it's like <laughs> I need to get the fuck out of here this is your child I'm gonna leave whatever blah 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 yeah. but then it's just like later on then she's after shagging him changed her mind at random, no explanation, no there's, real... And I like it. There's no even... The, what was the process for you? Yeah, I'm like, is there, there's no even turmoil where it's like, yeah. you don't even see... And I know it comes she's back She's just like after. like, I'm going to go see Liam. I'm like, uh, excuse me. Yeah, she wakes up in the bed and she's like, no, I, have, I know you're probably wondering how I got here. And like, there is... Sharice and Simon are taking the piss out of her then later yeah. on in the shop where it's like, the child, like, cradle snatch or whatever. And I'm just a bit like, what? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mad, yeah. Very... Mad. But then like... Yeah, it was interesting. Maybe because she was also an executive producer and her mom has dated, like, quite a lot of younger men, like, mm. significantly younger men in RL. Maybe she was just like, let's leave it in there. Let's complicate the story. Let's make her messy and whatever. Yeah, because it is, like, yeah. it does bring into question her character because it's... Yeah. You yeah. originally left this and we're not seeing any yeah, point of... Yeah, you had of, sense, then you decided nonsense. Yeah, mental interrogation where it was like, okay, you just wanted to because you could. Yeah. You were wanted to get, in, you, to get into more music. I don't know. Very sketch. Loved the Jack Antonoff cameo as well. That was extremely funny. I know, funny. and Debbie. Debbie Harry! Yeah. I loved it. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea yeah. of being that famous and that successful as a, as a musician that someone just rings them up and you're like... The lineup was insane. Will like, you just come and do like... Yeah. three lines in yeah. this one episode of the show and then being like yeah absolutely playing yourself like what a flex dancing away in the sitting room yeah what a flex yeah so all in all how do you rate it like I know they said that you I it. genuinely loved it and okay. I would recommend it to 
everybody, if again, if anyone is listening to this and hasn't watched, I found it like... And please. Again, it, it, it's probably one of the only, and we've done so many flaps at this point now, it's one of the only ones where I can come out and be like, I genuinely yeah. loved it. And okay. it's genuinely good. Because right. you watch a lot of shit and you can, you can love it yeah. and recognise that it's shit. Yeah. This is so good. And I'm so frustrated that there just wasn't a will or a want to... Yeah platform this story and I'm wondering like ultimately why you think that is like was it yeah like was it her character was it the fact that it was not believable was it the pandemic yeah was it that it was female-led was it the legacy of the 2000s film was it all well, of the above what yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. I mean I imagine that it had to like I, I do think that like the pandemic was a tricky one also the volume of tv that was coming out around the pandemic yes. that was like so yeah. qualitative I don't think it compared very strongly to like a lot of other shows that were going on at the time. Mm. Um, but I also, I imagine that like maybe it just didn't have the kind of like capital appeal or something like that. Like it was on Hulu and I remember I had to like stream it on the, the illegal web to, to watch it before it was on Disney. Um, so like, I just can't see as to like how they would have tracked what the demand for it was in terms of like pumping any, and like, especially if they're like, okay, we're gonna have to do this over the pandemic maybe, or immediately after it's, you know, possible to start shooting. Mm. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, like, I feel like there probably was some kind of mathematics that wasn't mathing for them, but, like, the other side of the coin, like, I don't know, Zoe's just, like, she thinks it was because there's, like, very few stories that, like, are centering coloured women. Who's to know? Um, I think the opportunity was, like, massive in that, like, other shows that I watched at the time, like, Insecure, have you ever seen that? With no, Mr. but I'm dying, another one on my list. You yeah, watch it. It's so great. Really good, yeah. It's so good. I felt like it was of a similar tone to that, where it's just, like, everyday relatable kind of messy but somewhat like put together people that yeah funny assume. but not straight comedy not sitcom exactly not, yeah, yeah. yeah they're like yeah exactly they're, so I felt like it was sitting in that realm of TV that if it had like another season or two it could have done really well or there was like really good scope to make it like like a substantially good TV show mm. uh, while also like having a lot of levity to it um, and I just don't know if anyone wanted to do the work is my opinion on it probably probably the writers and the, like you know the person that adapted it but no no money no money, it's all about no the money. Money, money, no money, 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 money. Yeah. Um, why should people watch it, in your opinion, if, again, they haven't watched it yet? Uh, just watch it because it's kind of hot. And yes, it's a bit pretentious, but it's kind of hot. I'm very fickle, you see. So okay. I'd probably, I'd give something a whirl. Like, the idol, I probably will watch it because Moses Sumney is in it. Like, there's things I'm like, I don't enjoy this, but I'll probably watch it because of beautiful things. So if you were a person that enjoys, like, also half an hour, favourite format of TV show. Stunning. Consume it. Perfect. Hoof it up. I'm over 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, give me a good 30, 25. It's snap. You'll bounce along. Exactly. This. It's great. Exactly. No, there's no time in it. Um, so, like, yeah, if you like punchy, short shows, a bit of a vibe. It is giving, like, a lot of, like, style. And if you like Zoe Kravitz or know anything about her she's just enjoyable to watch she did do a very like kind of convincing performance throughout it just watch it because it's hot and it's fun and the music's great it's so good yeah that needle drop where she starts listening to nikes and she's oh, like oh yes oh, yeah so i know good. i gained so much music from it like i was just like i said shazamming out the wadzoo and just like adding it to like playlists in tandem with her creating hers um yeah it was it was good, it was good yeah time. do you have any as a musician do you have any hard and fast rules about playlisting as she does. And uh, so does John Cusack's character, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't make mixtapes anymore. Uh, I do do a lot of playlisting. Not hard and fast rules around it, so that was interesting. I'm just kind of like a vibe. So, you know, one vibe might be pretending that you're on a beach dancing as Beyonce in Drunk in Love. And mm. then like anything that fits that bill, be it kind of slow, fast or kind of, you know, saucy. 
So that's kind of me. It's just like imagining myself in a specific mood or if I'm like, I feel kind of ill and tired. Okay. What music accompanies that? (laughs) Yeah, I have a playlist in mind at the minute that's just like songs that feel cold. Feel like cold weather, but not like, obviously like, not like holiday, Christmas adjacent, just like... Wintery. Yeah. Yeah. Like going for autumn walks. Yeah. And like it's kind of nighttime and it's like chilly and That's frost. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get on that after this. Please um, link that so I can listen to it. I will. I absolutely <laughs> will. Uh, Sunita, it's been such a pleasure. Where can people find out more about you, listen to you? Yeah. Tell so, the people. <laughs> my name is Sunita. I'm on the internet as a senator. A Pierre Crying. I am not a senator. I'm a singer. And I am in a band called Sister Phoenix with weird spelling. You'll find it if you look at my Instagram. And uh, doing a bit of, yeah, a bit of singing on different people's music in 2024. So ultimately, if you find me on Instagram, you'll you'll see me spam you about things. What a tease. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. Oh, please check out the Sister Phoenix uh, record because it's so good. Mm. It's so good. And I got <laughs> to perform live and it was great. Yeah, it was so good. good. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to have you back. Have a think about your very, next very slot. Good. And oh, you will yeah. be back because this was a great conversation. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Great fun. Great crack. Sunita, thank you so much for joining me on Flop Culture. Delighted. (laughs) Huge thanks again to Sunita for coming. Sunita, please come back. Let's talk about other things. I loved speaking to you. I will leave all of her links in the show notes below if you want to check her out and check out her work, uh, which I highly recommend doing. Finally, top of the flops. Who is it? Who could it be? You're a flop. Top of the flops this week. I'm torn, girls. I'm not going to lie, right? I didn't know whether to pick... Okay, actually, maybe I need to give context even before I get into this. I thought this was a massive conversation that was happening, by the way, but I think it's just whatever two accounts that I follow, two meme comedy accounts that were talking about this. Or maybe it was a TikTok thing. I don't know. There's been a lot of discussion around Beauty and the Beast, the original Disney animated film, not the live action one. And the moment at the end, spoilers for Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, the, the at the end when the beast transforms back into the prince because the spell is broken because they've fallen in love. It's true love and it doesn't matter that he's a beast. Bella's like, give me that, gives a bit of that and beast transforms back. And they're talking about the scene in which he transforms back and he becomes long-haired fella, whatever, prince, Eric... No, that's Ariel, isn't it? That's a little mermaid. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's looking at Belle. He is, he looks at Belle and Belle kind of looks back at him and initially is kind of like squinting as if to be like, what the fuck? Change back. You know what I mean? Like Belle is like, mm, no reverse card. Like she's not really about it, right? So there's been a lot of talk about that online. So I, and now I will say, I actually think she was dead right in the sense that I would have had that same reaction because maybe I'm the flop girls and this is what I meant when I said at the start of the episode, flop isn't necessarily a dirty word. I'm happy to be a flop if it means I'm on the right side of history. Beast, before he turns into the prince, is sexier than the prince. There's something about the face. The face of the beast is hotter. More hair. More hair. Something, the prince's face isn't right. And I don't know if he always looked like that or if it's a spell. Not about it. Not about it. Not about it. But anyway, this goes back to who is top of the flops, right? Is it Beast when he stops being a beast and becomes a prince? Or is it Belle for not... This entire plot of the movie is, I'm standing up for myself. I'm an independent woman. I love to read. I don't need anyone. Now, sorry, does she have Stockholm Syndrome is the thing. Probably. Probably. She is Stockholm Syndrome. 
But I still think is a flappy behavior to not stand by your morals and stand by what you believe in and take one look at that prince and go, nah, not for me. Not for me. Not for me. I just think it's a bit gutless, you know? Anyway, take your pick. Top of the flaps. Prince. Wait. Yeah. No. Prince. Prince after. No. Beast. Beast when he becomes the prince. Flop. Belle. Not just turning on her heels and running when she saw the prince. Because that's what I would have done. And I would have had no qualms about it. I will tell you that. Right now. Anyway, not sure what happened there, but we are back next week. It's our last episode before we go on Christmas break. And I am leaving you with a Christmassy flop. A very divisive Christmas movie that I actually have not seen. I will have seen it by the time the episode is out, obviously. So excited to chat about that and excited for you to meet my guest. And as I said, then we will be taking a few weeks off. And then we're back better than ever in the new year. This has been Flop Culture. Edited, as always, by Adam Shanahan. I will see you next week. Goodbye.